So I found myself of late pondering the prophets of old. Some of them you don't know, uh, you no doubt know, or at least their names, Elijah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Micah and Muhammad. And I'm sure you know some more recent ones too. Martin and Malcolm, Rachel Carson and Greta Thunberg and Black Lives Matter and so, so many more. So there are, of course, prophets from many traditions, the ones I've already named, and also uh, the Buddha could easily be read as a prophet calling people to reject oppression, embrace a different way of life. I already named Muhammad, but the Islamic tradition has many prophets, including famously honoring those from the Jewish and Christian traditions. Jesus is part of the Quran. I may have told you this one before, but I'll tell it to you anyway again. My favorite Muslim prophet is a woman named Rabia of Basra. And the best story about her, one I would tell over and over and would tell over and over anyway, is this. Uh, She was famous for being very theatrical, we might say, in her prophecies. And so one day as she's walking through Basra, through her town, she's carrying a bucket full to the brim with water in one hand and a blazing torch held high in the other And someone finally takes the bait and asks her, Okay, Rabia, what's this about? And she says, I'm going to heaven to burn it to the ground and then to hell to put out all its fires so that I can love God purely to love God, not because of any fear of punishment or promise of reward. Which that's a pretty good prophecy. Like that's pretty good stuff there, whether you agree with it or not. We talked about Muhammad, we talked about Buddha. Many of the great religious teachers have at least had some element of prophecy to their work. And I should be clear here today, when I talk about prophecy, many of us probably think of someone making arcane predictions or guesses about the future. The prophetic tradition in pretty much every major religious tradition is not that. It's not Nostradamus. Instead, prophets look at the world we live in right now and call out the problems, call out the hypocrisy, the corruption, and remind the people that if they continue on this current path, bad things are coming. So the thing about prophets is this. You don't hear about them. Maybe they don't even exist when things are going really well. No one needs a prophet of partying, you know? They're not really welcome at your weddings or birthday celebrations because they will not be quiet and just enjoy some cake. In fact, speaking of parties or festivals, the prophet Amos famously says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness, righteousness, like a never-failing stream. So he's probably right about whatever this festival was, but again, not a lot of fun. Because prophets only show up when things are bad. You may not realize yet that they're bad, but they do. So if they are at your party, you should probably not be partying right now. But start repenting right away. 
And so prophets are, it may seem obvious by now, not very popular generally in their own time. Many are killed, in fact. We might remember that Martin Luther King Jr. was deeply unpopular at the time of his death. Much more popular now. Greta Thunberg and Malala Yousafzai have faced every insult you can imagine, and this just while they were teens, still are teens in Thunberg's case. So yeah, Uh, Kristen likes to recount a story from her seminary time, which I'm totally stealing her story, about her Hebrew scripture professor who one day began class by asking them what a prophet is. I'm sure some some students gave answers, you know, all no doubt perfectly reasonable answers, maybe halting and incomplete, but good answers. And then the professor spoke in his lowest, deepest, most resounding voice right into the microphone. A prophet is one who speaks doom. (laughs) So flash forward a few weeks to the midterm on which the same question appears. What is a prophet? And most students give essay-length answers, except for one who wrote just that sentence. A prophet is one who speaks doom. She got an A. Anyway, we still see this in our world today. Gandhi doesn't come along to say what a wonderful job the British are doing of ruling the Indian people. Instead, he condemns and shames them. He argues for Indian independence and self-determination. MLK doesn't show up to say that race relations are going just fine. How wonderful it is we're getting along so well. No, he points out that segregation and Jim Crow are evil, that black people are being systematically denied rights and equality. Greta Thunberg and so, so many others are not here to tell us that our world is doing just fine. She and those others are here to remind us, no matter how much we might want to forget, that climate change is real, it's already happening, and that it will destroy the lives of millions of people. Prophets point out the things in our world and our lives we would like to forget. They ask us, they force us to deal deal with them. This is for our own good, even if we don't like it. And so I'd be remiss if I did not point out our own tradition has a fair amount of this kind of speaking out too. There were the abolitionists who spoke out early and often against slavery, decrying it as evil, and they faced consequences for that. The universalist Aidan Ballou was a famous critic of capitalism during the Gilded Age. The Unitarian Henry Berg founded the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals after he saw a horse beaten to death in the street in front of him. The Unitarian Dorothea Dix campaigned for better conditions for mentally ill people. Or even more recently, the Unitarian Ellery Shemp, excuse me, Shemp, whose brother Roger was one of my congregants when we served in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, The Shep brothers, some 60 years ago, were just children when they refused to participate in required prayers in their public school. They took the case all the way to the Supreme Court, and they won. Excuse me, here's the water. And I think those of our tradition that participated, sometimes at great danger to their own lives, sometimes at the cost of their lives in the civil rights movement. I think of those who have been 
critical, crucial parts of the work to secure legal protection and rights for LGBTQ Americans, and so many more. And here's the thing, each of us has the chance to be a prophet. You're no Rabia of Basra, it's true, but you can be one who doesn't shy away from speaking unpleasant, unpopular, but necessary truths. It's easy, all too easy, for us to ignore the things we don't want to face, especially the ones that won't affect us right away. That's how we've gotten to where we are in climate change, after all. It's also a danger when you speak out that you might be wrong. But I think the danger of speaking out not at all is greater. And so, stay with me for a second, but... um, The board has been reading together a book about church governance, which might sound kind of boring, uh, but I don't find this book boring at all. It's Governance and Ministry by the acclaimed church consultant. He's also a UU minister named Dan Hotchkiss. And one of many, many useful insights he has is that it's unfortunate but unavoidable that our decision-making processes do not adequately include our future members. That is, when we vote, either like today in our congregational meeting or for our nation's next president, only current members are voting. But many, perhaps all of the decisions we make, will hugely affect the future of this congregation, of the nation, of the world. And I don't know any system of decision-making that can overcome this sort of fundamental, temporal, physical problem fully. But it's too bad that future members, those people who haven't come yet to our congregation but will this year and next and 10 years from now, can't have a say. Because I think we would make different, in the opinion of both me and of Dan Hotchkiss, better decisions. So instead it's on us. We have to be the ones thinking not just of today or next week, but of 50 years from now. And so when we speak out, it means saying the truth even when it makes us deeply uncomfortable or ashamed. It means willing, being willing to break the taboo of being polite because being just and truthful are more important. I find it difficult these days to watch the news, especially coverage of politics, but I do it anyway, as much as I can make myself. And I think one of the parts that most bothers me is how easy politicians seem to find it to lie and to take the exact opposite of a stance they took 10 years ago because it helps them this time and it hurt them then. And the selfishness of valuing immediate gratification over the future health of our country. And so it seems to me that this is part of our job to call that out when we see it. We need to speak out and speak the truth And stop accepting convenient lies from politicians, from our leaders, even from ourselves. So friends, I think now is the time to speak out, to say the truth, to look to the future with the knowledge that we, not someone else, but we have been entrusted to guard and nurture it. May it be so, friends. May it be so now and forevermore.